This podcast contains strong language and adult themes. Listener's discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to A Page Too Far. This is the show where each week one of us reads a book and tells the other all about it. Will it be bad? Will it be good? Who knows? Let's find out. I don't know what you're going for. I don't right either. Now. I wasn't going for anything in particular. That was I decided to do that right when I did it. Okay. There was no forethought or anything. It was just pure. Yeah. Yeah. Pure, pure something. That that is one hundred percent me. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm one hundred percent that. Oh, okay. Okay. But that was saying. that was one hundred percent me. Anyway, my name is Dugray Scott, and with me as always is my co host, Drew Barrymore. How you doing? Cellar door. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I could think of Drew Barrymore related. Drew Barrymore cellar door. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. This is our last episode before our hiatus. This is our 50th episode. This is well. episode 50. Jesus. <laughs> Did you think when we started this that we would get here? Uh, I thought we would get here, but I figured by the time we got here, we would say we don't want to do this anymore. I felt very much the same way. Which which is not true. We do want to do this. Yeah, and we're going to keep doing this. Uh, but it's just real life things happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we just can't for a little while. Yep. Uh, but we will be back. Yeah. We're going to be, you know, stronger than ever. Yeah. We'll be taking a break for a little bit, but then, you know, we'll get back into it. Um, I thought it would be fitting to go out with a book that I know is at least going to be decent. Okay. Okay. And it also happened to be a book that I was struggling to find a book as I usually do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I found this one when I was cleaning out my closet, literally. Interesting. Um, So it was buried in there and and then I found it uh, because I had forgotten about it. Uh, We're going to be reading a fairy tale today. I'm excited. I, I really like fairy tales. Yeah. Yeah. No. Not only do they not make any goddamn sense. Yeah. They are fun and they go balls out usually. Okay. You set the bar way too high there. Oh, well, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we are going to be reading Ever After. Oh, dude. I love Ever After. By, uh, by Wendy Loggia. That's great. So this is the book. Oh, classic cover. That was the same as the VHS cover. And the DVD. Yeah. and a, Yeah. Great film. Great film. I really like this film. I have never read the book, though. I, I hadn't either. I assume it keeps pretty close to the story. It is based on the screenplay. Oh, okay. That makes so, sense. All right. Yeah. They got, the, they got the screenplay, made it. And you can tell that there's some things in there that were either cut from the film or changed a little bit. Right. But right. the overall beats are, are the same. Most of the dialogue is exactly the same. This was written in 1998. It's published by Bantam Doubleday Publishing Group, based on the screenplay of the same name, and it is 184 whopping pages long. That's not long at all. It's a super fast read as well. Yeah. <laughs> it, it flew by. So, obviously, you said you're familiar with the film. Uh, I was. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Though. Yeah. Uh, I remember the basic premise is close to Cinderella, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but there's there's a lot of other elements to it. Yeah. Um, you're exactly right. It's based on Cinderella, but it was written as a historical romance. Mm-hmm. So it takes place in 1512 France, and it likes to th- present itself in a way that it could have actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot to look up a couple of the characters, but I looked up some of them, and they were in the area at the time. So, you know, oh, okay. they, they at least did a, a modicum of research for right, this. Right, right. Uh, but let's go ahead and dive in. So this story doesn't open with the phrase once upon a time. It does, however, say it in the second paragraph. Okay. Yeah. This also doesn't have the same introduction as the film, which I thought was interesting. I don't even remember the introduction. <laughs> in in the film, the story is phrased around it's being told by uh, some French n- noblewoman. 
Okay. Who we don't really know who she is. And she's telling it to the Brothers Grimm. Mm, okay. Okay. And then they're writing it down. And that's where the story's coming from. This doesn't have that plot device. Right. It just goes into the story. Okay. I'm a little sad about that. Anyway, we open with Danielle de Barberac. De Barberac? De Barberac. De Barberac. De Barberac. Danielle de Barberac. Tom Bergeron. That's what makes me think of. Hollywood Squares. Uh, and uh, uh, AFE. You are correct. That's, he's, uh, he's awesome. I love him. Oh, he's great. Yeah, Dancing with Stars. Never saw that one. No, it's a really no. boring show, but he's on yeah. there. Yeah, that's why I never saw it. <laughs> Uh, we open, I'm not going to pronounce all these names in French. Okay. okay. Um, Danielle de Barbarac. Sure. Yep. Yep. Um, this is in 1500 France. So the, the real story takes place in 1512. Right. This is 12 years before that. Okay. The, at this point, people are shitting and pissing in the street. Yes. Not right now in the story, but it's happening in, in the that, world. In that period. Yeah. yeah. It took them a while to actually yeah. <laughs> figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, this is in France. I said that, but I looked it up. Um, Danielle is a French name. Yeah. Because um, I just, I, you know, I wanted to vet and I don't know why I wanted to vet, but I really wanted to vet the things in this book. I'm sure there's people in France that are named stuff other than French names. That's true. But this is a historical romance novel. So I wanted to see how seriously it took itself. Okay. Yep. Fair enough. Yep. Um, so right now they're one to one. Anyway. Danielle is being dressed and made up by her servants, Paulette and Louise. Okay. And they are all abuzz because the Lord of the house, Danielle's father named Auguste, which is two out of two. Auguste is a French name as well. Okay. Uh, and so are Paulette and Louise. So they're four for four. Um, I forgot to include them. But anyway, Auguste is returning home after a long trip away and he's bringing a new bride and her two daughters with him. Okay. We learn that the bride is a widow. Uh, well, you know, she was a widow and then she married Danielle's mm-hmm. father mm-hmm. and that Danielle's mother died in childbirth. There's a knock at the window, and Danielle's best friend, a commoner named Gustav, which is a Swedish name. Oh, okay. Uh, so they're four for five on French names. Yeah. Um, but he's a commoner, so his parents could have emigrated from Sweden, like it's possible. But right. like, you know, I'm I'm critiquing you for that. Uh, he's trying to get Danielle's attention. He exclaims, "Wow, she looks like a girl!" And she says, "Well, yeah, that's what I am." Yeah. And he's like, "Yeah, but now you actually look like it." And we get the sense that she's a real tomboy. Okay. Yeah. And, and she's just not cut out for the royalty life. You know? Okay. I mean, okay. She's just not royalty, just high nobility. Nobility, yeah. Yeah. Not even high nobility. She's more like low tiered nobility. Um, you get a castle. She has a manor. Manor. Oh, fuck. Not even a castle. Yeah. Not even a castle. Ugh. There's one castle in the story. She does go there okay. several times. But she says, yeah, boy or girl, I can still whip you and runs out to chase him with her handmaids chasing after her. There you go. Yep. Auguste arrives with the manor staff all lined up to greet him and he presents the three women. There are two daughters, both beautiful by generic standards. Okay. Um, there's a blonde named Marguerite and a brunette named Jacqueline. And then the Baroness herself, Baroness Rodmilla de Ghent. Interesting. Which is Rodmilla of the House of Ghent. You call me Rod for short. Yeah, Rodmilla uh, seems to be a made up name for this film. Okay, okay. Yeah. It's one I've never heard before. The, so. Like the top three pages when I searched the name Rodmilla yeah. were for this film. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And not Rodmilla de Ghent, just Rodmilla. So, right. yeah. The three women are a little taken aback at first. Uh, the manor isn't up to their normal standards of living. Um, with Rodmilla even saying, oh, where's the main house? Mm, okay. Just like roasting him. Auguste just kind of brushes this off. Right. Because he's like, he, he knows, but like, he didn't have to say it. He's, he's a good guy. He is a good guy. Yeah. Good guy, Auguste. Hope he sticks around. Danielle appears covered in a bit of mud, uh, and Auguste chides her for getting dirty and says, yeah, that means Gustave is around, doesn't it? And Danielle says, no, I slaughtered him. Uh, okay. Yep. 
And then he comes around the corner completely covered in mud. I thought you were going to say blood. No, just mud. It would have been great. And and that's kind of what it implies. But like it, it didn't, she didn't, she just got more mud on him than he got on her. I guess she needs to take it down a notch. Yeah. Which also at this point, because of what you said earlier, and I was thinking this at the time I was reading it as well, that mud is not just mud. It's also shit. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 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 They are schmelly. Uh, Auguste introduces Danielle to the women who have superior manners to her. Obviously, right. not hard. That's not a high bar. Okay. And they look down on her immediately. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Later that night, Auguste gives Danielle a book he bought on his travels. Do you remember the name of the book? Ah, oh, God damn it. It's a real book. I know. I, uh, I can picture him handing her the book, but mm-hmm. I don't remember what it, what it was. It is Utopia by Thomas More. I definitely didn't remember that. <laughs> it was published in 1516, and this is in 1500, so they mm, got that wrong. Okay, okay. Um, but also, that's a really weird book, A, to give a child, and he comments on that. He says it's a bit thick for an eight-year-old. Right. Um, eight? Yes. Danielle is eight. Oh, for some time. reason, I was thinking she was like in her teens or something. She is in the rest of the book, but in, in this scene, she is eight years old. Okay, okay. Yeah, and so are the, the two sisters as well. Right. They're all about the same age. Um, but yeah, it's a really weird gift to give your daughter like, like that. And it's a really weird gift for a nobleman in France to have at the time anyway, hmm. because utopia is a sociopolitical satire. Oh, okay. That talks about the plight of the working people. Yeah. So and he wouldn't be interested in something like exactly, that. And how they exist in a, in an, how they should exist in an ideal society, uh-huh. which anyone with no nobility any form of nobility in France at the time doesn't care about that. Right. The writer's just a fan of the book. Right. Uh, and you you really can tell that. Yeah. Okay. Throughout the rest <laughs> of the film. Um, but it appears Auguste treats his, he, you can't have a bad guy. Like even, you know, it's the thing before, before Django really popularized it where you can't have like a bad slave owner in the South. Like the, the, the nobility in France, the main character has to be a good guy. So they have to treat their slaves differently than everybody else. That kind of like, like in the Patriot with Mel Gibson. Right, um, right, right, right. Where they're not actually his slaves. They work there because they want to, but like, no, they were his slaves. Right. Um, I just own you so I can protect you. Pretty, pretty much. Like it's, (laughs) it's, it's that kind of, it's that level of writing, Yeah, which is fine, but not realistic in this historical romance. Right, right. There's a lot of that. So after he gives uh, the book, he says he has to, Auguste says he has to leave in a few weeks. He says okay. a fortnight, but yeah. So he's counting on Danielle to show the Baroness the ropes around the place. Okay. We skip to the day of Auguste's trip and everyone sees Auguste off. Uh, the Baroness goes back inside. <laughs> what? They see Auguste off. <laughs> now, Gustav is her best friend. I know. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> the Baroness goes back inside with the girls, but Danielle says that Auguste always turns and waves at the gate when he leaves. She goes inside anyway, and Danielle watches as, this time, instead of turning, Auguste falls off his horse. Mm. <gasps> oh no. Drama. She runs <laughs> over to him, uh, and she screams and runs over to him, and right. the Baroness hearing her scream is right behind her. Auguste is having a heart attack, and for his last act, he brushes Danielle's cheek and says he loves her, ignoring his new bride. Well, she's new. Right, but she's also his bride and a conniving, scheming bitch. But if you, okay, you, you have your daughter. Yes. Flesh and blood. Yep. For eight years. A woman you just married. Mm-hmm. You can only talk to one of them. Say one thing to one of them. Mm-hmm. He's going to pick his daughter. Yes. <laughs> you are correct. 
Also, did the mother, the, the the new wife, kill him? I don't remember. No, 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 no. Okay, okay. No, yeah. She's actually devastated. Um, but yeah, Rod, Rodmilla doesn't appreciate that. Mm-hmm. She, she doesn't appreciate the fact that she was ignored and her husband, who is dying uh, for his last act, talked to his daughter. Sounds really mature. And selfish. Mm-hmm. I call her the bee from now on because she is a baroness. <laughs> that was the prologue. Um, there's a bit of cheesy dialogue that I glossed over, but... Yeah, that's 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 kind of like as detailed as I get the rest of this. Right. We kind of skip along. Um, we skip 12 years ahead and now we're in present day and we stay in this time period. So okay. that's the only time jump. Prince Henry. Uh, I'm done with the name bit. There's a lot more names to come. OK, <laughs> that's an English name. He is a problem. His parents have set up an arranged marriage with the princess of Spain. OK, but Henry doesn't love her. Oh, that's very common back mm-hmm. then you didn't marry for love <laughs> yeah well that's what his dad says uh see his dad doesn't care it's not about love yeah it's about it's about doing what's best for his people uh which in this case is fortifying the alliance with spain yeah you're kind of raised with that duty in mind yeah and there's there's all it, it was it was common back then to like you get married for strategic reasons yes and then you also have a side piece that, that you actually love yes yeah and that was very common yeah yeah. And everybody knew that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I know that everyone tries to romanticize this marrying for love other than duty, but. Oh, that's all this book is. But you, you can have both. Por que no las dos? I love that you use that line. <laughs> I love that you use that line because I use that line all the time. Yeah. So. And it's rubbing off. Uh, the queen, though, is a little more level headed. And by that, I mean completely insane. Okay. Because she says, you know, maybe he should be allowed to marry for love because an arranged marriage never really made us happy. You're jeopardizing peace with another country. Completely. And also, you're a woman in 1500s. Yeah. <laughs> what you say doesn't matter. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the queen's just a figurehead. Pretty much. Prince Henry stole a horse and escaped the castle. Okay. We never really find out what his plan is, though. He just kind of runs away. Yeah, is he disguised or is he just... He's hiding in a cloak. Are you good enough, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. So I have here, like, is he going to ride away forever? Is he going to roam the countryside? Uh, later, he says something about going out to see the world, but he's, he doesn't have a plan. Right. So How old is he? Uh, I would guesstimate between... So the actor's like 30. Yes. Prince Henry, I would guesstimate between 22 to 20, 25. Okay. Somewhere in there. Yeah, he should have a plan. He should. Yeah. He should. This is also like in the middle of the night, like he just, he steals a horse and just rides out. He uses right. some bed sheets to climb out of his window. How is that even possible? Stealing a horse or climbing out of a window? That the prince can leave the castle without anybody knowing. We don't know for certain that nobody knows. I mean, who knows who he okay. might have bribed by saying, hey, I'm the prince, tell people and you're dead. Eh, I guess. Okay. I don't think this character would do that. Right. But we don't know. We know he climbed out a window using bed sheets. Okay. He's got a lot of bed sheets. <laughs> He's a prince. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't get very far. So we cut to a fireplace. This is 12 years later. Danielle is 20 years old. She is asleep beside the fireplace with a book open next to her. Okay. It's Utopia. Sure. Yep. She's reading it for the hundredth time. She is. She has it memorized. We find that out. She wakes up at the butt crack of dawn and begins her chores. Okay. That's right. The daughter of the former Lord is a servant now. Shocker. As she's going about her morning, she sees a thief riding towards her on her father's horse. A thief. A thief. Okay. She nails him in the head with an apple. What? On her father's horse? Yep. It's her father's horse. I think she's mistaking the horse for a different horse. No, it's her father's horse. 
Okay, she she nails him with an apple. Yep. Okay. Thief falls off the horse. Right. She keeps pelting him with apples. Okay. Until he stands up and she sees his face. Okay. It's Henry, the crown prince of France. How does she know? Because she doesn't live that far from the castle. So she just sees him walking in the street sometimes? I imagine she would see him at feasts and festivals and things. Why would she be going to those? Like she's a servant now, right? She's, she... she is a servant. I don't have a good answer for you. <laughs> I, this, this film, <laughs> this, this novel is very isolated in that nothing happened between the, the 1500 and 1512. Right. Because nothing is ever referenced as happening. Okay. So the, 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 the book just ignores it. Okay. It's like that, that time period doesn't, she knows who the prince is because he's the prince. Right. Like back then you would have had to see the person with your own eyes mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. know what they look like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the prince is like stammering while she's pelting him with apples before she realizes who he is. Okay. Uh, and he says, please, I was only borrowing your horse. My own slipped a shoe. Oh, I had is, no choice. Horse, okay. So it is her father's. I told you. Okay. Well, I didn't believe many you. times. Cause uh, like he, he could be riding a horse that looks like her father's horse. So. Yeah. Yeah. But he's not. Um, he says, I had no choice. I had to, I had to take your horse. Wait, hold up. That's hold, what he says. Wait, no, wait, no, no, not that part. Uh, that's fine. Um, her father's horse. Yes. This is 12 years later. Yes. His horse is dead. Probably. Very, very dead. What's the lifespan on a horse? <laughs> um, from what I remember, it's like between 10 and 15 years. The horse could have been three. Could be old as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like two years is a good age to start riding horse okay. regularly. So it could be the same horse. It is in this book. He's not riding it. He would take one look at it and be like, oh, no, I'll pick a different well, and horse. That's what, and that's what Danielle, so so the, the interaction here is he's like, I had no choice. And she's like, and our choice is what? To let you? Right. Uh, she finds out he's the prince. She drops to her knees and says like, I, whoa, I'm sorry. I didn't see you. Right. And he says, your aim says that you did. <laughs> and she's like, well, okay, I didn't recognize you, dumbass. Right. She doesn't say that, but you know. Okay. Um, she says, "I struck the crown prince, so I know I must die." He says, "Well, then don't tell anyone, and we're we're square." Right. Nice. Uh, and then she 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 does offer a younger horse. So okay. she says, "We have other horses, younger, if you wish." Uh, and he says, "Nah, the only thing that I wish is to be free of my gilded cage, because the <laughs> prince just vents to a commoner." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's also uh, we we find out here he is gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, flawless. Which which royalty wasn't usually gorgeous. They were usually inbred. <laughs> yeah, they're usually pretty fugly. Um, but this guy looks like Dugray Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he, instead of punishing her for hitting him with an apple, which most nobility would do, mm-hmm. uh, gives her 20 gold francs, which is more money than she has most likely ever held. Yeah, ever. No. She, she could probably uh, renovate the manor, maybe. <laughs> you, you know, probably. Yeah. Probably come close to it. And he says, this is for your silence, and then takes off on the horse anyway. Mm-hmm. So really, I think it's for the horse, not for the silence. But I mean, that's you know, a lot of money for a horse. It's a lot of money for a horse, but like you still stole their horse. <laughs> it's kind of true. <laughs> so are you really that good of a guy? Anyway, she's smitten. Why? Because he's hot. Okay. <laughs> and he didn't kill her. Uh, I mean, I'd probably be in love with a guy who didn't kill me if he had the if he had every reason to. I haven't killed you yet. Uh, you don't have every reason to. I haven't given away your true identity yet. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't snitched. That's true. That's true. That's true. 
Danielle goes back to the house and talks to Louise, saying that this money could be used to bring back her husband, Maurice, whom the Baroness had sold to pay her taxes. So, okay. Louise is a servant. Yeah. Maurice is her husband. Yeah. The Baroness was behind on taxes, so yeah. she sold Maurice to get money to pay her taxes. Okay. This money could bring Maurice home. Okay. The Baroness says, fuck no. Right. For no reason. Well, she's a big B, so. She is the B. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is the scene where I start calling her the B. Maurice is gone, and she chastises Danielle for everything. Just like, how, how could you... Th- how could you think of bringing him back? He's a servant. He's gone. Also, these eggs are cold. You didn't bring in the firewood. Right. You're just laying in there. But the, the, the bee has the money now. No. No. Okay. No. She, so Danielle broaches it in the way of maybe if we brought back Maurice and he could do his job, I wouldn't be offending you this much. Oh, <laughs> okay. And the Baroness says, no, absolutely not. Right. She doesn't know that Danielle has the money because, of course she doesn't, because she would take it if she did. We cut to Henry's perspective. He is wondering what to do when he sees an old man on a wagon being robbed by gypsies. Okay. Now, are we allowed allowed to call him that? I have a disclaimer here. Okay. (laughs) This is a very racial stereotype of people who are called gypsies. Right. And, and, and we don't condone that. That's the way the book puts it. Okay. They're also thieves. They're layabouts. They're very lazy. (laughs) And it's not a good, uh, not a good depiction. So that's all I have to say about that. I, I don't know anything about uh, the gypsy clan, so uh, nope. I, I have no opinion one way or another. Yep. Anyway, the royal guard is right behind Henry, searching for him. Uh, so he starts panicking, but the old man says, yo, that guy over there, he stole my painting. It's my life. And Henry, being the good guy that he is, has no choice but to go and get it. God damn it, I know who this is. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a long chase scene. Involving much heroics and running of men. Okay. Henry gets the painting back. Um, it's in a brass tube and he like clocks the guy over the face. Uh, you shouldn't do that. With the tube. You shouldn't him do unconscious. that. You know. Yeah. Um, these next two things happen simultaneously. Okay. So these next things are happening at the same time. The bee and her daughters visit a shady back alley dealer for a brooch for Marguerite. Okay. And Danielle, who told the bee that she was off picking wildflowers, is in a room nearby with Gustav, her best friend. Okay. Gustav is an artist. He is uh, working on a portrait he's doing for a, a lady in in the same city who happens to be in a house right next to the alley where the Baroness is buying stuff, which is really convenient. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the Baroness, or not the Baroness, the, the lady he's painting uh, sat for the portrait and then gave him the dress and the jewels to make sure that the details are all correct. Okay. Uh, so he has those and Danielle is now putting those on. Okay. In an attempt to pretend to be a courtier. Okay. So she is going to pretend to be a noblewoman to go and free Maurice. Okay. Got it. Yep. At the same time, the Baroness is buying a brooch from a shady back alley dealer. She doesn't want to be seen, but she is seen by a couple of her rival high nobility women. Okay. And they're like, ooh, look at you buying something from a shady dealer. (laughs) And she's like, well, this isn't for me. This isn't for Marguerite, even though she's the one modeling it. This is for the servants because they're doing such a wonderful job. Just Uh, lying through her teeth, trying to put on an image. Okay. You know, all the servants share one brooch. Danielle says this wonderful line uh, when she finds out that they're buying a brooch because Gustav can see them, Mm -hmm. uh, where she says she ignores the manor. She blames us for her debt and she still pretends to have money to burn. Right. So she's all putting on a facade. That's all she is. She's fake. The Royal Guard is helping the old man, whom Henry learns is Signore Leonardo da Vinci. Yes. That's right. Good old Leo da Vinci's in this book. Now I looked it up. He died in 1519. Okay. So this is 1512. 
and he died in France. Oh, okay. So that you know, this could Possible, happen. Yeah. The painting Henry rescued is the Mona Lisa. The Moaning Lisa. Yep. yep. Do you know when that was painted? I have no idea. I didn't either. So I looked it up. 1503. So it is entirely possible that he is in France with this painting at this time. Right. I, I would love it if Prince uh, Henry came back with his face through the face of Lisa. <laughs> Prince Henry is thrilled uh, because da Vinci is the king of modern thinking, as he calls it. Okay. And he says, my father, the king, is the king of backward thinking. So maybe you can talk him into the 16th century. Okay. Which means maybe you can persuade him not to have me go through with this arranged marriage. Right, right. Which was still a thing in the 16th century. Yeah, no, it was uh, it, it was a thing for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know exactly when it ended, but it, it was a couple more centuries. Yeah. Henry later returns the horse to the manor. Okay. And the bee introduces her daughters in a hilarious way to the prince. They do cartwheels when they come in. No. They both come running down the stairs. So, so the bee is talking to Henry, and then the right. daughters come down because she gave them a couple of minutes of warning just to get ready. Okay. And she says, this is Marguerite Francois-Louise of the House of Ghent. Okay. Oh, and this is Jacqueline. <laughs> so she has a favorite. Yes. Okay. The, and the brooch was for Marguerite as well. Okay, okay, okay. The prince comments on the brooch and says, wow, that brooch is stunning. And she goes, this old thing. Well, thank you. I remember, I remember this bitch. Yeah. I remember her. Yeah. Oh, this, this you is, love uh, to hate her. This is mouth chocolate bitch. Yes. <laughs> okay. I skipped that scene. That scene's in here. I skipped it. Right. But. Yes, this is mouth chocolate, bitch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Great. It's positively sinful. What's it called? Made by the Spanish monks. Spanish monks keep sending bricks of it. The bee wants to set up Marguerite with the prince. Right. He apologizes for scaring one of Rodmilla's servants, uh, which was Danielle. Okay. And she does this weird thing where she says, yeah, that girl is mute. <laughs> like, I don't know why you would say that. He's like, I scared, I, I, like, I'm sorry, I scared the wits out of one of your servants earlier. She saw me taking this. And Danielle goes, oh, she's a mute. Oh, I'm so, sorry. And, and the bee goes, oh, she's a mute. So she has no idea if they actually spoke. So right. She's telling him something that he could very well know is not true at all. Right. Yeah, that is weird. And he says, oh, she spoke quite forcefully. Oh, okay, okay. And she says, well, it comes and goes. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, I don't... Uh, Why did you make that up in the first place? So, she's so weird. For all intents and purposes, he knows she's a servant at this point. Yeah. So who cares? Right, right, right. He's never going to marry her because she's a servant. Right. It's a, it's, a, it's a weird lie. Yeah. Just say like, oh yeah, she she is that way sometimes. Uh, so he leaves and she is going to roast Danielle yeah. for not telling her that he stole the horse. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I mean, which is fair. Uh, and then, yeah. <laughs> I'm remembering what the, what happens in the movie. So yeah, then. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, if we skip anything, because I like I didn't write down a lot of the stuff that happens because right. it's nothing happens in this happening. Danielle goes to the palace to buy back Maurice, and the slaver isn't having any of it. Okay, that is until Henry appears behind her and hears Danielle quote Thomas More to the slaver, uh, saying how the people deserve better from Utopia. Yep. Uh... He says to release the man, and Danielle tries to make a getaway. Okay. Because she doesn't want to be recognized. Right. The prince follows her, doesn't recognize her, and demands to know who she is since anyone who can quote Thomas More is well worth the effort. Oh, my God. Why he, Why would he want to the fucking book? That's the question. Because he doesn't like the book. Oh, he doesn't? He openly doesn't like it. He says he finds it sentimental and dull, and the plight of the everyday rustic bores him. 
Okay. Well, why why does he want to talk to her then? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I th- there is no reason for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they talk about utopia from the two different perspectives. The prince says it's dull, sentimental. Danielle says it's the plight of the working class citizen who the country depends on. So he needs to buck up and deal with it. Right. Because without this person, the country would dissolve. Right. Which is true. But he's nobility. He doesn't care. Yeah. Except he does. Well, no, he doesn't yet. He will. He's the, the he's got a heart of gold, but he was raised in the wrong environment. Exactly. That's, yeah. you know, that's, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's she's like going to change him. She's going to change him. You know, how many, how many cliches can we get in here? Yeah. Uh, he demands a name. Okay. And she gives him the name Comtesse Nicole de Lancre. Nicole de Lancre was her mother. Mm, okay. She was not a Comtesse. As she and Maurice get home, Danielle is accosted by the bee. Who's like, where did he come from? And she's like, oh. Uh, and Maurice is like, oh, I, I worked off your, my debt. Right. So they told me I could go home completely lying to her face. Okay. Um, but it covers up the fact that Danielle bought it back. What'd you do with the rest of the money? Uh, it was all the money. There's no way. There's the no money. The way. money never comes up again. Oh my God. Well, she walks up to the slaver guy and she does, you know, when you want to bargain with somebody, yeah. the first thing you do is offer all the money you have. <laughs> That's actually not what I do. That's what she does. <laughs> so dumb. Yeah. He's she's probably like, like hell yeah. I'll, I'll she's like, I, well, he's not at first. So, so that, that whole slave argument goes, she's like, I have 20 gold francs that'll buy this man's freedom. He says, you could buy me for 20 gold francs, but this guy's already been sold to the coast. Like I got to oh, get him there. Okay. Okay. So no. And then the prince shows up and she says some stuff to the slaver. Yeah. I mean, that's much better. Yeah. That's much better. She says, a servant is not a thief and those who are cannot help themselves. Because if you suffer your people to be ill-educated and their man is corrupted from infancy and then punish them uh, for those crimes to which the first education disposed them, what else is to be concluded but that you first make thieves and then punish them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have that memorized. Nice. <laughs> That's what she quotes, and that's from Thomas More. Um, and okay. then it's from Thomas More, because I've read Utopia. Uh, so Danielle comes home. She's accosted by the bee, and she's like, what, do you, what did you think was going to happen? What did you do? Why did you do this? And Danielle's like, I don't, d- does she know that I bought him back? Like, what's going on? And mm-hmm. Jacqueline mouths to her. She's like, the horse. Mm, okay. The horse. Okay. So then Danielle knows, oh, this is because Prince Henry returned the horse that he stole this morning. And the Baroness is like, yo, yeah, why didn't you tell us? which is a logical thing to ask. Uh, and Danielle doesn't really give an answer. Just say, I said, hey, stop, thief. He turned around. I recognized him as the prince mm-hmm. and offered him the horse. It's not about why. It's not about why does he have the horse? It's about why didn't you tell us that he because uh, okay, because okay. he came to return it and we weren't ready. We could have been ready for him. Right. Well, you see, Danielle sort of forgot that the prince had taken the horse yeah i mean she did <laughs> she had other things <laughs> on her mind like she was oh. trying to buy back maurice oh like, that she, was that was a total meme yeah it's real okay yeah, i mean there's no other explanation yeah okay um other than she's deliberately hiding and hiding that fact from the baroness which is I very duplicitous she and she would do that. be because she assaulted him yeah yeah there's no there's no good answer there Right. Either she's being duplicitous, which is against her character in every other scene, mm-hmm. um, or she forgot. Uh, those are the <laughs> those are the two options. Pick one. Move on. Yep. Luckily, Marguerite made a good impression on the prince, so it didn't turn out as badly as it could have. Okay. You're lucky, Danielle. His dick made an impression on his pants. Yeah. Back at the palace, 
The king has an altercation with Henry where he says <laughs> they're going through it. I, I remember this in the movie being very funny. It is very funny. Back and forth. Uh, he's like, you're, you're going to take the crown or else I'm not going to give it to you. Yeah. And, and he says, well, good. I don't want it. And the king says, well, then I shall simply deny you the crown and, and live, live forever. forever. <laughs> it's great. Which is a fantastic line. It's great. Uh, there is a scene right after this where the king has a conversation with Da Vinci, which we don't see in the film. Okay. But it basically amounts to, hey, what if you let him choose? Now, Da Vinci was pretty influential in his day. He's influential. He is he is at the palace as the artist in residence. Okay. So he, okay. he is in a position and he is very well respected for his philosophy. I I think that he would also just be very careful about suggesting something like that. I agree. You have to know your boss before you do yeah. something like that. Uh, and the, I I still can't get over like the stakes. Like marriages have huge stakes. Yeah. It's like, it's basically like, do you want to make an enemy? Yeah. Pretty no. Much. All right. We'll get married. It's. I mean, we've seen what happens in Game of Thrones when you when you throw away a bride like this. Yeah. Rob Stark. Uh, it's very gets realistic. Rob Stark. Yeah. Exactly. I have more to say about that, but we'll get there later. Okay. But yeah, I should simply deny you the crown and live forever. Uh, da Vinci says, yo, what if you, uh, what if you didn't, or at least give him a chance. Right. Give, give him a chance. And the king says, fine. Okay. And he goes to Henry and he says, I am going to throw a ball in honor of Signore Da Vinci. Okay. It's going to be a mask, but that doesn't really play into it. And that's going to be in five days. Okay. On that night, at the stroke of midnight, you will announce your engagement to the girl of your choice, or I will announce your engagement. Oh, God, what a mess. <laughs> He's got five days to fall in love. It, well, I mean, if word got out yeah. and got back to the the, the Span, Spanish government, right? D- d- all hell would break loose. That's what Henry says. Okay, okay. He says, what about Spain? And the king says, let me worry about that. You've got enough problems to deal with. Mm. So you already know a bit about what's going to happen, like, regardless of whether you know this story. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of summarize a lot of what happens. Okay. Okay. The bee isn't going to let Danielle go to the ball. Of course. But Danielle meets the prince again while swimming in a river. Mm Mm-hmm. And after they talk more, she falls in love too. She falls in love too. (laughs) She falls into an additional love (laughs) with him. (laughs) And is determined to be there. There's a hilarious line from Henry, which I'm going to read. I have it memorized as well, but I want to read it. It's on page 76. Okay. um, Where he's having it. So this is... Right before he meets Danielle at the river. Right. He and Da Vinci are having like an existential. He's having a crisis. Da Vinci's just talking. Right. Right. Um, And he says, let's say God puts two people on earth and they're lucky enough to find one another. But one of them gets hit by lightning. Well, then what? Mm -hmm. Is that it? Or perchance you meet someone new and marry all over again. Is that the lady you were meant to be with? Or was it the first? And if so, when the two of them were walking side by side, were they both the one for you and you just happened to meet the first one first or was the second one supposed to be first? How do you know how things are meant to be? Mm-hmm. Da Vinci says, I mean, you could try doing it yourself. Like manifesting your destiny? Pretty much. Yeah. He says, actually, he specifically says fate has a lot to do. You can't leave everything to her. Sometimes you must give her a hand. But that line is hysterical to me. Maybe there's no such thing as the one. <gasps> oh, no. I skipped over a lot of the interactions. There's there's a lot of interactions between Danielle and the prince okay. between now and the ball, um, like this example at the river. But it's really just them getting to know one another, mm-hmm. which is really boring. Yeah, it's great on film, 
reading it was mediocre. I mean, she's like naked for most of it, I think. So. She is in her undergarments for a yeah. lot of this. And he realizes this and like kind of gives her his cloak. Mm-hmm. And then she gets embarrassed because she realizes it. Mm-hmm. But like, no, I, I mean, I've, I've met girls. They're very self-conscious about that kind of thing. Yeah. Like you would know. He instantly. The yeah. The second you heard his voice. Yeah. Be like, oh my God, fuck off. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Danielle loves the prince, but the prince loves Comtesse Nicole. Because she's still under that guise. That's such a, uh, yeah, such and a weird name. It is. It is. But, and, and, and it's kind of funny because he's like, well, where are your servants? And she's like, well, I gave them the day off. That's mm-hmm. why they're not here. And he's like, a day off from what? Life? Because it's, in, it, it's, it's really absurd. Sad. <laughs> it's absurd. Uh, that existence is kind of sad. And the fact that he's believing her. Right, right, right. Like, I, it doesn't make any sense. Um, whatever will they do? There's another part where uh, the bee blames Paulette and Louise for missing candlesticks and paintings. And then at a market later, uh, that same day, a skunk bag named Monsieur Le Pew. <laughs> really? His name is Le Pew. That's awesome. He hits on Danielle and says that he's admired her since she was young and that his generosity deserves a reward. Oh, God. He's just like Le Pew from Looney Tunes. <laughs> Pretty much. They brush him off and leave. Okay. Uh, and uh, Louise says if he didn't buy a bushel of vegetables every week, I'd spit on him. Mm, fair. Yep. They meet a f- so the the prince and Danielle meet a few more times. They flirt. They eventually kiss, but it's always under the guise of Nicole Delancre. Mm-hmm. They meet the gypsies again, mm-hmm. uh, and the gypsies like rob her. Yeah. Um. And and she's like, well, since you're de- depriving me of my escort, because they rob her, and then they want to duel the prince. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, well, since you're depriving me of my escort, you you should give me a horse so I can go home. And the guy says, well, I will give you anything you can carry. So her being a servant girl her entire life is jacked. Yeah. She picks up the prince and starts walking away. That's great. It's a great scene. And the guy says, wait, 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 come back. I'll give you a horse because they're so amused. I want to know if uh, if Drew Barrymore actually lifted in preparation for that part. Oh, yeah. Well, how much could she bench? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like over the shoulder. Yeah, it was a fireman's carry. Yeah. So uh, maybe she was that strong. I don't know. I'd be interested to know. Who could say? Yeah, but now the gypsies are are funny. They spend the night with them, mm-hmm. and 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 they're man, they're, they're not that bad at all. Oh, who'd have thought? They have heart, even though they're career criminals. And in they've the story. We've seen them two times, and both times they have robbed people. Yeah. There's also a moment where Danielle asks the bee if she truly loved her father, mm-hmm. and the bee says, "Well, I barely knew him." And it turns out it was just more political maneuvering. Go figure. Yeah, okay. She didn't love him. No, we knew that. What, what was the whole thing about he spoke to you and not me? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's not even... Like, if you don't have any stake in it, why do you care? Yeah. That's yeah. so weird. Yeah. Maybe she's, she's just infinitely petty. She can't help it. That's And I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. She's trying to get as high as she can on the social ladder. And the fact that Auguste died and left her a widow again. Right. First off means that she's eligible again, so she can marry herself, but she's also a bit older at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's It, it doesn't She's really... fighting for the clout of a dead guy. Pretty much. Very weird. Pretty much. <laughs> One day, Danielle sleeps in after a night with the prince, and the bee who doesn't know what's going on basically says, uh, yeah, like you slept in and mouth back, so I'm giving your dowry to Marguerite. Her dowry includes uh, her mother's wedding dress and shoes. Mm. Um which are the only things that Danielle has from her. Mm-hmm. Danielle punches Marguerite in the face. Good. Uh, and chases her around the house trying to get the stuff back. Okay. Marguerite picks up Utopia and holds it over a fire. Mm, okay. And Danielle, at this point, she has her mother's slippers. Right. So Marguerite demands the slippers back or she'll burn the book. 
Danielle gives the slippers back, and Marguerite burns the book anyway. Yep. It's fucking sad. Yeah. But she did give Marguerite a black eye. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't look good for the prince. She doesn't. However, uh, the Baroness and Marguerite go and speak with the queen. They're just having dinner or having tea with the queen. And we cut to that scene with the queen saying, and to think you saved that baby from a runaway horse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So even the black eye is used for more political maneuvering. Right. Of course. I mean, at that point, you're trying to put some kind of positive spin on it. Exactly. <laughs> and I have, a, I have a story about that, too. Okay. Um, because Marguerite responds with, it was a maternal instinct, your majesty. Now, fifth grade Jesse didn't know what that meant. <laughs> okay. So, something happened. I don't remember what the, cause out, what, the, what the cause was. Right. But I was in school, and something happened. I did something that was kind of like me manifesting stuff earlier. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where it's like, you know, you have that sixth sense thing and you just know a thing. Right, right. Um, so somebody said, somebody asked me, how did you do that? Right. And I said, it was a maternal instinct. And I was ridiculed for the next two years. Two years? Two years. That's, until I switched schools. That's pretty brutal, actually. Yeah. That is burned into my brain. Jesus. Long story short, don't go saying things you don't know what they mean. Yeah. Be careful. I mean, back then it was harder to like figure that shit out without just asking an adult. Yeah. Which, I mean, is perfectly acceptable. Just go ask somebody. Yeah. <laughs> what does this mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I did the thing, which I, I which I do a lot, which is where I assume I know what it means. Mm-hmm. So, you know. So, Danielle, after getting whipped the next day. Yep. Uh, goes to meet Henry and intends to tell him the truth about everything. Mm-hmm. But when she gets there, he says, he, he constantly interrupts her. Okay. He, like, he doesn't let her talk. Okay. And he says that he is having the time of his life. He's pouring his heart out to her uh, and she's like starting to cry because she like the more it, it's it's very, very cliche in a romance movie. Right. Yeah. Where, where there's a problem and somebody wants to dress up, but the other person won't let them speak. And then there's a giant right. misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah. Danielle runs away crying. When she gets back, the Baroness has found everything out somehow. We don't really find out how. What the fuck? Yeah. What? We don't we don't really find out how <laughs> she demands to know where the dress is. That was her dowry. And Danielle says, I don't know. Maybe it's with the paintings or the candlesticks. But I would rather die a thousand deaths than see that, uh, than see my mother's dress on that spoiled, ugly, selfish cow. I remember that delivery. It's a great delivery. Selfish cow! I don't think it was like that, but it was, it was pretty emotional. If you breathed in longer and held the note, you could right. do like a screamo track from that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the bee locks are up. Yep. Yep. Classic. We cut to Henry's perspective when we find out the rumors have been flying. The queen tells him that Nicole de Lancre is engaged to a Belgian. So the bee is hard at work trying to get rid of the competition. Mm -hmm. And he has an existential crisis again because he's like, she was trying to tell me this and I didn't, like I was pouring my heart out to her mm -hmm. and she was trying to tell me goodbye. Mm -hmm. And he's hurt. He's like, I'm hopeless. Pretty much. That night is the night of the ball. Okay. There's an adorable scene where Gustav goes to Da Vinci to have, like, to recruit him to open this door. Right. That, that's keeping Danielle in because they can't unlock it. And he pull basically. What's that? Pull the pins out. Yeah. He basically uses a lever to, to pull the pins and, and, like, lift the door up off the hinges. Yeah. Uh, and Paulette says, that was genius. And he says, yes, I shall go down in history as the man who opened the door. <laughs> and, it, and in the film, it's delivered with this great. Yeah. Like just great personality. It's hilarious. The book, it's just delivered and it doesn't have as much meaning. Mm, okay. Anyway, uh, he doesn't see social status. So he says that the prince will understand if Danielle just tells him what's happening. He'll understand. I don't know if he'll accept it. That's, <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. 
So they get her ready for the ball. They somehow find her mother's dress, and that just kind of never comes up. Uh, like, well, didn't Danielle herself hide it? No. Oh. Yeah. Okay. The Baroness is like, where's the dress? And then later they have the dress. I think maybe the servants hit it. Okay. Okay. But, but I'm not 100% sure. She gets made up, quote, to look like a fairy princess. With wings and all. With wings and all. There's a picture on the back of the cover, but you already yeah. know what she looks like. Yeah. Except it's a mask, right? And she doesn't go in wearing a mask. She yeah, has she I, has some like weird face paint stuff where yeah, she's like sparkly. I remember that bothering me. But yeah, but but she's not wearing a mask at all. Seems like you'd have someone at the door. With, you would like, think. Hey, uh, you, do you have a mask? I mean, we have some. If you, they're yeah. like the little disposable. Yeah, ones. Yeah, if you need so, if you need one, we have them. But yeah, like, you can't go in without you one. You need one. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mood. She goes to tell Henry the truth. He cuts her off a million times again. <laughs> and in He's his royalty, though. He's used to just talking and people have to listen. Well, it's true. It's true. Uh, and, and he actually, I think he mentions that at one point. In his excitement, though, and once he finds out that she isn't engaged. Mm-hmm. So he's like, it was a lie, yada, yada, whatever. But the Baroness rocks up and is like, yo, this girl's just a servant. And he's like, no, she's not. And the Baroness is like, yeah, she is. Ask her yourself. Mm-hmm. And then Danielle, instead of explaining herself, just says, yeah, I'm a servant. But she was the daughter of a of, of a dude. Yep, she's not a servant. I mean, I mean, she's acting like a servant, but she does have she she is the heir to a title. Right, right. But th- that doesn't matter. Oh my god. <laughs> in this, uh, and Henry banishes her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. She runs away, losing a slipper in the process. Oh, that actually does happen. It I, does happen. It's a glass slipper. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you man, you step on a rock wrong, you have shards in your foot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You got to be very careful. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's the point. Ooh. You have to be so high class mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so good on your feet mm-hmm. that you won't make it. It's kind of like the Iron Throne. Yeah. yeah you yeah, have yeah. to sit on it correctly mm-hmm. or it will kill you. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's my head cannon. Later, Da Vinci approaches the prince with the slipper and says, uh, yeah, she was made for you. And I know it. And you know it. And the prince is like, y- you know, I'm the crown prince, though. I must do my duty. Mm-hmm. Now and he the- cares about duty. Now he cares about duty. <laughs> and Da Vinci says, well, then you don't deserve her. Mm. So Da Vinci is like 100% the uh, matchmaker here. Right. Yeah. He's he, he is up to bat for Danielle for no particular reason other than they had a conversation once. He also has diplomatic immunity, apparently. He does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just just like the bad guy from Lethal Weapon 2, I have diplomatic immunity, so Hammer, you can't sue. Back at the manor, the bee sells Danielle to Le Pew in exchange for all the goods back. Turns out, she'd been selling everything to Le Pew and then blaming the servants for stealing those things mm-hmm. and then cutting their wages. Mm-hmm. The prince stands at the altar waiting for the Spanish princess to walk down the aisle, and she's bawling the whole way. Yeah, she doesn't want to get married. Yeah. She loves the guy from Belgium or whatever, right? Yeah, she loves the other guy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, when she gets to the altar, Henry realizes that Da Vinci was right. He has a complete change of heart, says he will not marry her and that she should be free to love who she will. Uh, and she cries even more. And and every- it's, it's a really funny scene in the film. And everybody there is like, God damn it. Like, we got all dressed up. We got we the day off. All the way here. We came from Spain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So he goes to the manor looking for Danielle, who has already been sold. Mm-hmm. In Le Pew's quarters, he is super creepy, and we find out uh, that he basically, he attempts to PG-13 rape her. Yeah. Yep. Um, but she knows how to handle a sword because her dad taught her 12 years ago. Nice. Yeah. That came out of nowhere. 
and oh she, shit i mm, yeah it came flooding back the the, uh, the spoilers yeah but the prince gets there and she already got out herself yeah she's fine yeah it's such a great character moment yeah it is it's fantastic so yeah he he attempts to rape her and she like grabs his sword mm-hmm. cuts him across the cheek and then cuts him across the other cheek, I believe. She, like, Inigo Montoya's him. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and she says, I will slit you from navel to nose, which is the first time I ever heard the word navel. Hmm. Uh, you know, the first time I saw the film, that is not Right, now, right. You know, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, if, if she doesn't let her go. So he lets her go, because that's how you solve that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she runs into the prince who was on his way to rescue her, and he proposes and they get married. Yay! The book ends with the bee and Marguerite being sent to the bee washerwoman for their political scheming and backstabbing. And Jacqueline, who I kind of ignored, which is fitting based on her role in the book, in the film. I don't remember doing much of anything. She has a romance with the captain of the guard. She is the one who kind of orchestrates all of the good stuff. Um, Okay. Like when Danielle is whipped, she's the one who tends to her wounds. That's right. Um, Okay. Yeah. I think think she's the one who dishes on Marguerite and Jacqueline. Okay, okay. Uh, and Henry says that they are supposed to live, this is him and Danielle, uh, says that they're supposed to live happily ever after, and Danielle says, says who? And the prince says, you know, I don't know. <laughs> and Danielle thinks to herself that this feels like a fairy tale. Wow. <laughs> Fiend. This, 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 what, this is like the return of the Jedi or something, because <laughs> you're a Jedi and you returned, and it's... <laughs> um... I, I want to get right into the ratings here because I have I have something to say about okay, this. Okay, okay. So every week on the show, the person who read the book must give the book a rating. Our rating system consists of five levels. At the first level, we have one star. <laughs> At the second level, we have two stars. Mm-hmm. At the third level, we have three stars. We do. At the fourth level, we have 29 stars. Mm-hmm. And at the highest level, we have 98 and a half stars. Yes. Uh, but I mean, who gives a shit about the actual name of the rating? What, what would you rate this out of a possible nine goats out of nine goats? I give this a three star, three star, a three star. So the film is amazing and funny and really well acted. And the dialogue is really well delivered. Yeah. You lose all of that in the book. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And without that. It's just a mediocre romance novel. Yeah, you you lose all the nuance of people's delivery mm-hmm. and expression, mm-hmm. and it's also paced like a film. It is. So this this is if you're a fan of the film, just go watch the film. Right. You don't yeah. you don't get anything. Di- There's two extra scenes in this that aren't in the film, but they don't add anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're both with Da Vinci for some reason. But like, just go watch it. And if you haven't seen the film then this book doesn't do anything for you. It's yeah. it's a it's a very basic story. There's nothing great about it. Some of the dialogue, like, I mean, I quoted the dialogue. The dialogue is hilarious in some scenes. Others is just really poorly written. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of plot contrivance. It doesn't have anything special about it. None of the characters act like they would if they were real nobility. Yeah, yeah. Because um, Prince Henry does marry a common woman. Even though she's not a common woman, he thinks she is. But she really does own the manor. Like, it's her manor, but she doesn't, she, she doesn't own it because the Baroness got it. But, then, you know, it's a whole it's a whole thing. Yeah. But but that doesn't detract from the fact that, no, this wouldn't have happened. No, um, <laughs> no way. And, and it didn't happen. So it, it doesn't this book doesn't do anything. 
Right. It doesn't do anything right. new. It's mediocre at best. It's a great film, though. Great film. Recommend. Fantastic film. Recommend. I would say one of my top 10 films. Well, people, mm-hmm. persons, individuals, human beings listening to this or watching, whichever. This is our 50th episode and our last for the present. Mm-hmm. We are going to go on a hiatus. We don't know how long. It may be several months, uh, but we're going to be gone for a while. Uh if you want to write to us in the meantime, uh, we have our email. It's page too far at gmail.com. We also have socials, Instagram and Twitter, both handles a page too far. We also stream video games. And I know I said, I think in the previous episode, I wasn't planning on keeping up the stream. You did say that. I kind of changed my mind. I want to try to try to do that. Yeah. Every, and I might change it to like Saturday nights. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, just do a Saturday nights. So yeah, you're going to, you're going to continue streaming, but this is going to be you for the time being. Yes. Uh, so you can do it whenever you do it. Yeah. And, uh, you guys can come hang out. Uh, if you have questions about books or anything, yeah, I can answer those on stream and, uh, yeah, check out our Patreon. We're going to put a freeze on our Patreon for recurring payments. So if you go to our Patreon, you pay one time for whatever tier you want and you have access to all of our content until we return. And we'll let you guys know when we turn recurring payments back on. Right, 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 right. So if you're already subscribed um, you already have access to the content that will freeze until we come back. We will let you know when we're going to come back. If you would be brand new, then you will pay for whatever tier, get access to the content for that tier. Uh, and you can either cancel it then, or, um, if you want to continue when we come back, we'll, we'll post when we're actually going to start right. recurring payments again, you will have notice and then the recurring payments will start. Um, we will not charge you any extra for the time that we are gone. Uh, and then, uh, even, you know, after this episode, we're going to release a little bit of stuff, uh, next week, I'm going to release a footnotes that was really, really long. That was a great footnote. So, yeah, it was, it was fun. So I'm gonna, just going to release that on the regular feed in place of uh, an episode that we would have had. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also want to do some little bonus stuff. Like we want to do a best of compilation, uh, that might take some time for us to go over the episodes and decide what parts we want to use. Yeah. Yeah. We got a lot of stuff. Yeah. So uh, a lot of content in 50 episodes. It's a lot of shit, man. I, I like it's one of those things where it's like you, you hear podcasts get to the 50th episode and it's like, oh, great. It's the 50th episode. But like you in my experience with that is I'm usually catching up to the show. Mm-hmm. So like it doesn't mean anything. But like we made 50 episodes of this show. It's a lot. Yeah. This is a lot of work. Yeah. And it's hopefully a lot of good stuff. And this should I think this episode will be coming out like either on or really close to our one year anniversary. Yeah. So 50 episodes in a year. That's incredible. Yeah, man. <laughs> it was a lot of work. It, it was, was so much work. work. Uh, love, on top of the the extra stuff for Patreon. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot. But mm-hmm. love to our fans, love to our patrons. Yeah. Who uh, we have been able to uh, purchase things for the show just because of our patrons. It's true. It's true. Uh, equipment and the art that we use on our Twitch channel has all been paid for by our patrons. So we appreciate that. Love to everyone on YouTube. We get quite a decent amount of uh comments on youtube it's uh, i saw we had one today that was, we, uh, was just it? a compliment it was like good uh, good episode which episode uh that was uh the story of my teeth oh uh they said uh, that was I, a good episode i also enjoyed this book so i hated cool. that book yeah <laughs> i get it i get it yeah uh so yeah check out our youtube uh subscribe if you can that really helps us out um you don't even have to watch them on there just subscribe that helps a lot yep share with your friends uh, take your favorite episode and just post it to whatever social media you use. Say, hey, uh, look at these crazy dudes. 
Couple of crazy, just doing just these, guys being dudes. Doing the, just guys just sucking each other off every now and then. There's nothing wrong with that, you know? Just uh, being bros. Just, uh, <laughs> I, I have nothing to add to that. Hashtag Bobo Lives. Hashtag Fiend. Hashtag hiatus, I guess. Hashtag <laughs> hiatus. But it's, it's the eight is an eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so it's H-I-8 us. For eight years, because that's when we're going to come back. Yeah, yeah, we'll be back in eight years. No, we'll be back in a couple of months. Um, hopefully with some fresh fresh new takes on some some books. I yeah. have a plan for a book that I want to read over the hiatus, but I don't know if I'm actually going to be able to. Right, right. But I have a plan for it. So, you know. I'm going to try to search and find as many books, and, like hoard as many books as I can. Yeah, yeah. For when we're back. Yeah. At least enough for like another 50. Mm-hmm. So like I'll try to find 25 good books. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Ah, fucking, we have bonus, so I need another 6 and oh, man. 31 books. Yeah, man. We've done we've done about 31 books each. Yeah. It's quite a bit. Oh, and we were going to we were going to do a, a another bonus for this month, but uh we just don't have the time unfortunately. No, it's not going to work out. So uh yeah, man. This we will be releasing a commentary, though. Yeah, commentary, outtakes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. along with the extra long footnotes on our regular feed. God, we're stretching this out. Man, this ending has gone on for about 15 minutes. Yeah. It's a... Uh, but really? I mean, yeah. Really? Yeah. Honestly? Yeah. Pretty close to it. Damn. <laughs> I don't want to say goodbye. I know. I know. I mean, this is it for now. Yeah. This is this isn't goodbye. We've. I mean, this is see you later. We're not planning on it being goodbye, <laughs> but anything could happen. Well, look, that's the thing that's going to go down in history, right? Is you yeah. always say you're going to come back, and then you never do, right? But like, we're going to come back. Yeah. No. Uh, okay. Let's 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 set a, a date three three months from when this episode releases. So August, September, that'll be October first. If we don't have a thousand subs on YouTube, if mm-hmm. we don't have at least a hundred patrons, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we're not coming back. That's on you. That's your fault if that doesn't happen. October 1st. You heard it here. The hell am I supposed to do? <laughs> Not you. The, you, the, the listener. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, That's on the listener. Exactly. It's their fault. Look. Fuck our listeners, man. We you, don't need that. If you build it, they will come. I hope so, man. Build a better mousetrap. Yeah. I don't know why that's a thing. Move more cheese. I moved your cheese. That's a that's a book fuck, we did. We need to fucking stop. We we do need it. We needed to end this like ten minutes ago, but we just kept going. Um, See you later, guys. We love you. Thank we you so much for your support. Up. Thank you so much. I, I I'm indifferent. <laughs>